This is God's word. Come on, single people, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It always brings direction to our path. You said in all of our ways acknowledge you and you will direct our path. So we rely on the Spirit of God this morning to direct us. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that those who came hungering and thirsting after righteousness shall be filled. I pray that answers to questions that were needed will come. And as I step back, I thank you for the Spirit of God stepping up to minister life, encouragement, and direction to your people. And I declare for signs, miracles, and wonders to follow our lives as we obey your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, if you are visiting us for the very first or second time, you may not know, but the month of October, of September, uh, we divide our church into two categories. If you're married, we have at 9 o'clock a marriage seminar pretty much for the whole month of September. And then the 11 o'clock services for the month of September are for our singles. So if you're here and it's your first or second time visiting and you're married, just stay with me, stay in the service, because what you will hear will remind you why you got married. Anyway, uh, today I'm going to be closing my single session out with some questions that I received from my singles. Now, I will say this up front. I won't get to all of the questions that you all sent me. However, the ones that I have now that will not be answered today, I will answer them either over the Internet, via email, or I will do a video to answer the rest of the questions. So if you don't hear your question today, you will hear them eventually. All right, so I'm just going to start out with questions today. And uh, I've, I've just decided to title today's time together as Keeping It Real with the Singles. Keeping It Real with the Singles. And uh, our single people are very uh, open people, okay? Uh, so some of these questions are you know, out there a little bit, but it's okay because uh, if you have the boldness to ask, I have the boldness to answer. Amen. So here's the first question that I want to attack. And uh, if someone would bring my phone, I I have some questions on that too. It says, uh, why do Christians view being single as a bad thing? I am single and have no desire to get married. 
All right. Now, I'm not really sure why people view singleness as a bad thing uh, because, especially in the Christian world, because the biblical view of being single is is really less issues and problems than being married. Whether you knew it or not, it's harder being married than it is being single. You say, well, Pastor, I'd like to experience that for myself. Just take my word for it right now. Okay? See, you're not really spiritual until you get married. Now, let me just give you a biblical perspective because all of my answers are going to be based on the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32, this was Paul giving instructions to the Corinthians church. And he was talking to married people and single people. So listen to his advice to single people. He says, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord. Let me rephrase that by saying he that is single cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married cares for the things that are of the world that he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman, watch this, cares for the things of the Lord. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things that are of the world. How she may please her husband. Listen to verse 35. It's powerful. And this I speak for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you. But for that which is comely. That you may attend upon the Lord. Watch this. Without distraction. When you are single. You have less distractions than you have than when you're married. See, when you're married, you have to take you have to take care of your spouse. You have to be, you know, uh, conscious of what's going on with them. You, it's all about your spouse. It's all about your kids, your family. But for the most part, when you're single, you don't have those distractions. You can get up at three o'clock in the morning and go to Brahms. And get you some ice cream if they're open. You you can do that when you're married, but you're going to have to explain where you're going. So being single is not a bad thing. Just look at your neighbor and say, being single is not a bad thing. Here's question number two. What do you do when you have recently gotten engaged... And your fiancé reveals to you that he is impotent. Impotent. That's a better word. Do you go through with the marriage? Okay. I'm not sure what this person's definition of impotent means. However, in either case, the result is no children. Now, this decision is is easy to make, in my opinion, if you desire to have children. If you are female and your fiancé, you know, explains to you after he has asked you to marry him that he can't have children and you want children, that's an easy decision. You need to give him the right hand of fellowship. Now, if the definition of 
impotent means that he cannot perform sexually, the same answer applies. If you want to get married and have sex, this is not going to work for you. It's an easy decision. Stick your hand out and give him the right hand of fellowship. Then you say, well, pastor, that's not right. Well, right based on what? He said, well, 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 why would God send him to me? Well, did God send him? Question number three. <laughs> Question number three. How do you handle being a young single female trying to practice abstinence when your fiance keeps pressuring you? Now just look at your neighbor and say, he's about to talk about you right now. Go on and tell him. (laughs) Now I'm not sure how long you have been engaged, but clearly it's immoral for a Christian individual to pressure or be pressured to have sex. Do you agree with me? I would really question this person's spiritual commitment and maturity in the Lord if this is happening on a regular basis. Let me say something that's implied but not really said a lot. It is not supposed to be normal for Christian single people to have sex. Boy, I didn't get no amens. You hear that? You hear that? I I had an amen from that rat right over there on the the left side. I'm going to say that again. It is not supposed to be normal for a Christian that is single to have sex. Give me an amen. Thank you very much. If this guy is a Christian, what he should be rushing you to do and pressuring you to do is to get married. Amen. Notice what I did not say. I did not say you should be pressuring him to marry you. I said he should be pressuring you to get married. Because, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When these guys say, when they're pressuring you for sex, what they're really saying is, I want your body. But when they ask you to marry them, what they're really saying is, I want you in my life. Amen. I'm just going to keep it real. Question number four. When dating, when do you stay and when do you leave? Now look at your other neighbor and say, he's about to come down your street right now. Now I'm going to stay on this one a little bit because I got so many questions about the dating process. All right. So, the bigger question in my mind is how did you meet the person and were they ever marriage material before you started dating them? Because I believe the average single person goes wrong right up front. You start dating somebody who was never ever dating material for you. So I need you to follow my dating process. You will not find it biblically written out in the Bible, but the principles are from the Bible. And I believe if you you will use this process that I'm going to give you, 
the chances of you coming out on the other side with the wrong person is going to be slim to none. Amen. So I'm going to go back over this process. So here's the first dating process. And there are four or five stages. Here's the first stage. And that is you meet the person. This is when you initially meet them. And, uh, and it should go without saying that a person, uh, where you meet the person says a lot. If you meet him in a club, then chances are he's a clubber. If you meet her at a strip club, then chances are she may be a stripper. Where you meet them makes a big difference. And it says a lot about you. Amen. You really need more discernment on the front end of this meeting stage just as much as you need on the back end of the dating process. Because this is where the doors open of whether they're going to, you're going to continue with this person or not continue with this person. So let's say you meet this person at Walmart. Okay? And, you know, an exchange, I guess, takes place. He sees you, you see him. And you meet him, but you don't know a whole lot about them. And if, you know, you look and, you know, you figure, you know, they might be, uh, that might be the one. Because that's how most single people think. It might be the one. You don't know if it's the one. So then the next stage is the greeting stage. You got the meeting stage. Then you have the greeting stage. The greeting stage should only happen if you were comfortable with your initial meeting stage. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? If you meet the person and uh, you interrupted their joint smoking session, They are not the one. They should never get past the meeting stage. As a matter of fact, you should not have even given them your phone number. But if you were comfortable with the meeting stage, then the greeting stage is where the majority of time should be spent getting to know the person. Not the dating stage, which I'll just tell you about that. We're just talking about the greeting stage. And this should be done mostly through various methods of communication. You, it can be done through talking. And I want to encourage, especially the millennial generation, you all want to do a lot of texting. I want to encourage you, if you're interested in somebody, don't just do a lot of texting. Do some talking. Yeah. Don't hide behind your cell phone. Talk to the person. And this is the stage where you research the person. Find out their real name. I know he told you his name was Junior. I know she told you her name was Coco. You need to find the real name out because before you go on the next stage, you need to discover who you really talking to. So you want to research them. You're going to listen to them. You're just not going to do all the talking. You're going to do some listening. Texting, reading, some Facebook information, some Twitter, some Snapchat. Look and see how they communicate on social media. If they're using all kind of four-letter words, 
And you know that used to be a stronghold in your life. You cannot date them. Amen, Pastor Evan. But Pastor, she's fine. I, she might be fine, but she's going to cuss you into being fine too. Look at how they talk on Twitter, Snapchat, or even go on some single websites that you all are already, you know, a part of. You got Harmony, you got blackpeople.net, farmersonly.com. Go on those websites and see if this person is on the website. Because what you might see as a single person is a married person posing like they're single. The best way to stay ahead of at the greeting stage is to also talk to some friends and some spiritual people you respect. Talk to them about the person. Because now you have someone who's looking out for you and who's also praying along with you. See, if you have to hide the person you're talking to, chances are you shouldn't be talking to them. Amen. You should have enough interest or things in common at this stage before you even move on to the next stage. And the next stage, which is number three, is to seat. You got greet, meet, meet, greet, seat. Seat is where the dating process is. This is where now most of you would see as dating and most of you don't realize you need to be the most spiritual and the most discerning. Amen. It is at this stage where most people develop soul ties. So if the person never passed the meeting stage or the greeting stage, then they should never be at this stage. This stage is where most most singles, in my opinion, flunk because this is where the person that they are interested in may have the majority of things that you like, but they lack important things that are deal breakers for you. You get so lonely that you forget about what's important. And you just look at what they may have that's important. Amen. One of our singles sent me a, a, a testimony and this person might be a great father, but he's a weed smoker. He may, and this person told me, Pastor, he looked very good. He was smart. He was a great father to his son. He respected me as a mother. Great qualities. She said, but I don't have seven years to recover from a bad relationship. See, you have to view every time you date somebody, you have to view that as adding an item to your credit file. When a credit situation goes bad, it takes seven years to get it off. Well, every time you date the wrong person, you have now just added some baggage to your emotional credit file. And she met this guy. He was everything she wanted. Except for every time she met with him, she just smelt something. <laughs> so finally she asked. Because see, some of you all want them so bad, want, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Everybody know he smoked weed. His fingers brown. His lips are black. 
But you don't want to ask. Well, I like the fact that she said, Pastor, I had to let him go. And she said it wasn't hard because when she turned him down, he chased her more. How many know your light attracts bugs too? I know that didn't sound too spiritual. So you have the, the, the dating stage, which is the seeding stage. And this is where now you find as much out about the person. This is where you actually go out. You go on a date. And I would encourage you to group date. Don't be going all out by yourself. You, you know yourself. You know you. And then if you, if you say, well, Pastor, I, I don't, all my friends work in the daytime. Okay. So if you don't group date, then daytime date. And then don't even go in the other person's house, apartment, or wherever they live. No, no. What can you discuss in there that you could not have discussed at Starbucks? Come on now. That's how singles end up in compromising situations. You, I know you didn't go in there to sleep with him or sleep with her. You didn't. That was not your intentions, but it was the devil's. I have a friend, uh, and he's married now, been married for years, but, you know, he was one of those serial daters when I was growing up. He could not be by himself. Every time you look up, girlfriend here, girlfriend there, girl, girl everywhere. I'll never forget one day he was at home. This is in between girlfriends. Girl knocked on his door at the house. He looked in out, you know, out the peephole and it was a girl. He's at home by himself. He should have just screamed out through the door. Nobody home. He didn't do that. He opened the door. And then next thing you know, they're in his bedroom. How did they get there? You think they floated back there? I'll never forget, it was funny when he said it. I'm going to say this, and I know this is carnal, but I'm saying it because I want this to be an image in your mind if you even get this close. He said, Pat, he said, Eben, I, next thing you know, we was in my bedroom when I was saying, Lord, forgive me in Jesus' name. <laughs> Woo. You cannot ask the Lord to forgive you for something you have not done. Okay, you have the seeding stage. And then here's the last one, or the, the next to the last one, you have the fleeing stage. This is the stage where you have seen enough, you've heard enough, you know enough about the person that helps you see this is not the right person for you. So your next course of action is to run. Now, how do you run, especially if they work at your job? Fleeing doesn't mean running without an explanation. And please don't use the Lord as your excuse. Well, I prayed the Lord told me you was not the one. Well, you didn't even pray for him to tell you she was the one, so don't do that. No, you just need to have an honest conversation with them because I believe you owe it to them. If they have made it to this fourth stage, you owe this to them to sit down and say, you know, there's not necessarily one thing. I just believe this is not the right thing for me. And I apologize for letting it go this far. And let me say this. 
it's easier to have this conversation when you have not physically been involved with the person. Amen. It's easier to discern spiritually when you haven't been involved physically. So that's why you need to keep your drawers up and you need to keep your panties up. Because if you keep them up, it's easier to say no. It's easy to say, you know, I I like you, but uh, I just feel that this is not the right thing for me. Amen. Then here's the keeping stage. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, the first lady want to talk now. Come on, you fine first lady. Come on up here. Come on, y'all give Pastor Sarah a big hand as she... What you going to say, baby? All right. So the question was, how do you know when to let them go? Well, I'm, I'm almost through, but I, I go know. ahead. Go ahead. When you start, the first, you need measuring cups. The first measuring cup you need is a standard you have set for yourself based on the word of God. God has a standard. He has a standard. You base your life based on the standard in the word. You know it's time to let that person go when that person is is causing you or you're feeling influenced to compromise your standards in the word to accommodate their feelings. Mm -hmm. So when you find that things that are characteristic for you things that are solid for you, you begin to squander them away to hold on to this person. Or you're squandering them away so you won't hurt their feelings. Or you're squandering them away. That's when you're noticing that you're altering God's standard for a lower standard. So when we were dating, and I know a lot of you were like, well, Pastor, y'all were dating, you was like dinosaurs. Okay, yeah, but we married 23 years too. So it worked. So we didn't have sex before we got married. We didn't do all of that first. We prayed. It would have been nice. Whatever. You have your whole life to have sex. Exactly. Okay. You got the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years to have sex. You have so many years that sometime you'll be looking at each other like, whatever. Not today. So you, you know, you are thirsty right now. There come a time in the marriage you'll be like, I am not thirsty today. Okay. So. Let Let me tell you a secret. When you get married and you stay married long enough, sex is important, but it's, 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 it's not what's going to keep your relationship right. not at the you. level it needs to be. It helps keep listening. Now, sex is the glue. Right. It'll keep you right. together now. But it's not the foundation but by no. which your relationship no. is based on. And if you use sex to catch him, you'll have to always try to use a trick to keep him. Because my husband, he said, he said this a long time ago. It's very gross. But as, I mean, as you see, he was giving you visual pictures and things. So, you know, he was like, sweet. It all feels the same. Just a different size, different color, different height. No. So I, I'm, I'm saying same. that to say sex cannot be the foundation by which you do something. Because if that's your, if that's your bait, if that's your, what you're going to use to hook somebody, every, Every female has that same ability. So it, can, it has to be more than that. It's got to be a uniqueness that God has made you into and not just right. the physical characteristic. Because it's not God, is spirit. That right. is the creative part of you. So you have to set the standards based on the word of God. And like he said, I know it's not common, it's not cool, whatever, to do the God standard. But we are Christians. 
We are bought with a price. We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We live in a kingdom that's governed by rules and managed by laws. It is our duty and responsibility as citizens of the kingdom of God to carry ourselves a certain way and operate a certain way. And it's called holiness and righteousness. It's not called convenience. It's not called stroke me. It's not called fill me. It's called I will obey God. And if you have two people trying to obey God, then you won't have to let them go. But the minute that you feel and you see that you are having to step back from your principles, step back from your character, step back from your convictions, they are not the one for you because the person in your life should be pushing you towards God. That's right. Pushing you towards your purpose. Pushing you to the presence of God. Not pulling you away, but a person who pushes you, partners with you, locks hands with you, and they love you so much. And they love God so much that they want to see you maximize your potential in Him. So if they're doing something to minimize your potential, not talk one. down to you, bullying you, not the one. beating you, not no, the one. no, using up your money, taking all your credit. They are not your one. They're not the one for you. And stop giving the marriage benefits to people who are single. You have to stop it. You can't buy them. You can't negotiate Listen. them. You can't manipulate them. If you do it that way, you leave nothing for the marriage. There's some things that only covenant you get you only some blessings come through covenant you don't get all of that yet so I, that's that's how i would say to you if you want to know when to let them go write down what what are your like he said your deal breakers what are the words you know the, you're going to church now he wants to take you on the lake on sunday no sunday's not for lake not between not nine or eleven a.m you can lake at three so no no that that's the day i worship god no that's not compromisable Man, let me tell this story. Yeah. There was a single young lady in our church, and uh, I got a call from another pastor that a gentleman in our church mm-hmm. was playing two women at the same time, mm-hmm. a woman at his church mm-hmm. and a woman at our church. Correct. So I approached the woman at our church and said, hey, listen, you're getting played. And one of the ways that he was using, Watch this, this is real now. This is real. What the way he was using to get to the woman was saying he was close to Pastor Evan. That he was Pastor Evan's aide. Mm. That he was golfing with Pastor mm. Evan. He's not, he wasn't even close to Pastor Evan at all other than mm. he, was, he came to church. Oh, no. I'm not close to hoes. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, Male no. Male or female. <laughs> no, no, no. If he's a hoe, he ain't around me. Now, that is the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. And but that anyway, was what he used as an influencer. As a, so as he a got girl. these women to believe, oh, I'm past his armor bearer, all this kind of stuff, crazy stuff, right? So I told this young lady, I said, listen, sweetie. Mm-hmm. I said, there are two women in this man's life. At least. He had one of them to buy him a car. Yes. With her credit. Yeah. Foolishness. This girl believed this joker, oh, left yeah. our church, yeah. then got her heart broke. And we were begging her. We, we tried everything. I'm like, really? Her. You're going to believe him over the pastor? Very smart girl. Very educated girl. No, very she wasn't too smart. Girl. Not natural. No, not street smart. 
But I'm saying she was she was highly educated in an excellent job, yeah. doing well. And let me explain something to you about the enemy. Before the real one comes, there's many counterfeits. Yes. They will have 80%, but not 100%. They have 95, and he's just wanting to know, like, like, like that testimony. You got everything, but this one thing. You don't didn't want a weed smoker. But God, they have all these other things, and it's been a while. I've been waiting a while. So I'll just take this 90. But he's an exceeding God. He should exceed your expectations. That's right. So you don't have to Because compromise. I'm exceeding and abundantly above all right. Pastor Sarah could ask. You are. That is true. And she's exceeding That's and abundantly true. above all I could ask or think. Listen, if something which God forbid happened to my wife, I'm probably not going to ever get married again because I don't think nobody can beat her. So I've given it to my all, man. I'm tired. I mean, I just don't have nothing else to give. So if he died tomorrow, you can just hang it up. I'm done. I have given it all. See that? See what the boy did? <laughs> see what the boy did? I done wrecked a girl. That's what you ought to do. I done took it all out of her. She don't want no more. Okay, 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 okay. So, <laughs> come on, y'all. Stay, stay spiritual now. Stay spiritual. Okay, quickly, 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 quickly. Because I guess, okay. So, the keeping stage. The keeping stage should only take place when the person has passed the first three stages. Never allow guilt or loneliness or flee or the fleeing stage to pressure you into the keeping stage. The keeping stage sounds permanent, but nothing is permanent until wedding vows have taken place. This doesn't mean the person shouldn't be committed and faithful in the keeping stage. So let me just kind of give you what should happen during the keeping stage. This is where you determine this is the right person for me. Well, first of all, you're going to be spending time with this person. You're going to be committed to this person just like they are to you. So watch this. During this time, if this person cheats on you, guess what? We start all the way back over or we don't start at all. Because if they can cheat now, they'll cheat later. But pastor, he just made a mistake. See, what you're looking at, you're looking at his sins through your eyes. You don't understand that him cheating now is just the door for him to cheat later. If he knows you can get over him cheating now, then he knows, oh, man, good. I can get married. I can cheat all I want to now. She's going to forgive me. He's going to forgive me. The devil is a lie. So you're going to spend some time. you got commitment. You're going to ask the parents if you are a male. Ask that parent or parents for permission to marry that girl. I know that's old school, but that's good school. Then you're going to get engaged and, and uh, you know, ask her to marry you. And then you're going to go through some premarital courses and some counseling. Don't ever get married without premarital counseling and some courses. We have that in small groups here. And then, of course, you have the wedding. So let me go to question number five, and then we got, we got to close up here. How do you trust God during the wait? I did not go to the altar during the first Sunday for singles. I really don't believe that marriage and children is for me. Every time I let someone in, I get hurt. I'm bitter with God because why would he put them in my path just for me to be hurt again? Again, everybody on your path wasn't sent by God. Well, I'm about to say that. You, you've made a classic mistake that to me most people make about God. The Bible says only good comes from God. So if the enemy can get you to believe anything different, he knows you will self-destruct. See, let me explain how, how, how God works. All knowing, just because God knows everything, does not make him responsible for all things. See, the weatherman knows what's going to happen on Tuesday, but he's not responsible for the weather he predicted. Just because God knows everything does not mean he's responsible for what he knows. You know why? Because we have choices in the matter. 
We have our own will. We have our own decisions. And he is going to, listen, he's going to respect the decisions you make, whether they were some he would make or not. So here's the question you really need to be asking yourself. Did God send the people you were involved in? See, that's what singles don't ask. They don't ask up front, well, Lord, is this, is this the right person for me to get involved in? And here's a classic answer. I said, did you ask the Lord if that was the one? Yes, what did the Lord say? I didn't hear nothing. Then why didn't you, why did you move? You are not going to get my phone number. You're not going to get nothing. I'll take yours if I'm a female. I'll take yours until I pray and get some peace. And if I never get some peace, peace. Just because they may have been in your path doesn't mean that God sent them. I'm I'm telling you, that's a true thing. Because before I got married to Pastor Evan, I'm telling you, I I had dated this guy like, you know, um, earlier in my dating career. And uh, (laughs) so I broke up with him, you know, at the time because I was a serial breaker up or two. I mean, you know, it just goes with it. And so then later on, looked like he kind of grew up. So I started, you know, dating him back again. And then, uh, you know, I was getting ready to think like, okay, is this really the one? And so the Lord told me, I went to the Lord about it and he said, ask him. He said, call him and ask him, what is my call upon his life? What does he feel I'm calling him to do? This is, this is like a couple months before I meet Pastor Evan. Before the real deal comes. Right. I've already met, met my quota with God. I've already fasted and, and not dated anybody for the time I committed to God. So now, you know, I'm open season. But, you know. Yeah, but I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I was really full, right? But anyway, so I'm kind of talking to this guy. I shouldn't say dating. I was talking to him like through the mail, whatever, right? And I asked, I called and I said, hey, you know, what do you feel God wants you to do? And he said, God's calling me to farming and blah, blah, blah. I said, which is no problem because, listen, that was working for me. But then I said, where's God calling you to live? And he said, God's calling me to live in Jamaica. I said, but you see, God told me two years ago I would never live in Jamaica. I know I'm supposed to be in America. And I had a vision of Pastor Eben. I was supposed to bring my journal to show you. I had a vision of Pastor Eben two years before I ever met him. You see, so God said, I had the defining thing. What was the will of God for my life? So I had to call him and say, you know what? Even though this is familiar to me, even though this probably could work because we know each other and stuff, I cannot compromise a call on my life for you. So then he started altering his call. Well, maybe I could do this. I said, no, see there, I can't have you at all because see, I need to have somebody who loves God more than me because they got to be able to lead me because I'm a lot to be led. Right after that, another person. No, I mean, they started coming like in quick succession. Another person. Let me tell my story real quick because some of y'all know. See, you can know before you get involved with them if they really the right person to get involved with. So I'm single. I'm, I'm in America. I'm not in Jamaica at the time. I'm washing my car outside, and these two girls drive by. They drive by. They stop and speak to me. Hey, how you doing? I ain't never seen them before. I was like, hey, how you doing? And they kept going. The Lord said to me, distraction. I said, how are they distraction? I didn't ask for their phone number. They didn't ask for mine. They ain't no distraction. Next thing you know, they loop back around again. Mm-hmm. This time they stop and say, "Hey, how you doing? How you, you know?" So she said her name, and I and the Lord said, "The Lord said distraction." I said, "How is it a distraction?" I didn't ask for her number. She didn't ask for mine. Next thing you know, I got a phone call the next day because back in the day we used to have phone books. 
the phone books had your name in it in alphabetical order and you could just call where the person lived. Well, she knew where I lived. I lived with Miss Johnson. She knew the address. She knew the person's name. She calls me, Miss Johnson. Hey, Evan, phone's for you. I'm like, who knows me in Ohio? Long story short, you know why I didn't get seriously involved with that girl? Because God told me up front she was a distraction. And see, some of you all would prefer a distraction than a called person. Because, see, a distraction is in front of you, but a call person is, is, is ahead of you. And unless you have what I call spiritual vision and discernment, you won't have the power to let go of the distraction. So let me just say this other one thing. So right after that person, and I'm telling you this for a reason because I want you to find yourself in this. So right after that person, it was the, 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 the temptation was familiarity. Okay? With that person. Right after that, the next person wasn't really saved. They went to church, but they were really rich. And like how the devil took Jesus up into the mountain, this boy really literally took me to a mountain. For real. We own all this land. And that's all I could think. The devil was like, all this belongs to me. (laughs) I was like, this is for real. You know, but what was being tested in me is because I had come from some times of being broke. I had some rich times, but I had some really broke times. And one of my fears was being hungry. I never wanted to be hungry again in my life. And so here was a temptation. Would I compromise for the money? Would I compromise for the stuff? This guy owned all this thing. His family owned all this construction. I mean, it wouldn't be a money issue. That was the test. Good looking, all the stuff. But that one thing. Not fully committed to God. Had everything else, not fully committed to God. It wasn't until I let those things go and I realized, man, this whole time when I was fasting from dating people, God was doing a work on the inside, making sure that my needs were filled, that my need for affection, my need for attention, my need for provision, my need for companionship, that was being met in the presence of God. So when other people came to threaten that, When other people came to test that, the Bible says that the devil could find nothing familiar in Jesus. And so the devil could not find nothing familiar in me. So when delicious came on the way, he truly exceeded all of my expectations. I mean, he was all of what I had on my list and I did not know he was so smart. And he is so brilliant. And he's so solid. And he's a good leader. I mean, more things that I didn't think to ask came with the package. All I asked was for three things. God, make him taller than me. I just needed somebody taller than me. I didn't want somebody right up in my face. That was just my preference. I had the faith for it. I didn't want somebody with big muscles. I like them scrawny and just, just, like, just like this. This, 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 was, this was my idea. You know, and I said, so my first thing was be taller than me. Lord, make them love me like you love me, unconditional. Because I got a lot of problems. I got a lot of brokenness. I have a lot of fractures. I need someone who's going to be able to unconditionally work with me. And my third thing is, Lord, don't make him go bald. And he's not. That's my preference. If you like to rub all that all over their head, that you can do all that. I don't want to see somebody scalp when I wake up. I want to see him. So God exceeded that. spiritual criteria. Do you see that? I had one so spiritual and then I had flesh criteria. You got to want to see the person. Amen. So I'm okay. just telling you. Okay. Find out what you need. Are you tempted easily because of the money? Are you tempted easily because of the loneliness? 
Are you tempted easily because, boy, you want a dad for your child or you want a mom for your child? Are you tempted because, boy, you, you, want, a, you want a family so bad because your family was so broken? What is that need that the enemy can use to manipulate you and bring somebody that's good but not good enough? Give Pastor Sarr a big hand. I, can I do one more? One more here. Is it realistic to expect a man at my age, this young lady was 40, is it realistic to expect a man at my age to be okay with waiting to have sex until marriage? As women, as women, are we tasked with being the stronger vessel and ensuring the relationship stays holy? This is what I said. A man or a woman's age, for that matter, has nothing to do with them being able to wait instead of being sexually active. The question you must ask yourself is, if that is something that works for him, why hasn't he found the right one yet? In other words, if sex is what he needs to find the right one, why hasn't he found the right one? A real Jesus man will tell you that it's not what's between the legs, it's also what's between your head. When it's only about what's between the legs, then he's not looking for a wife. He's looking for a safe home. The right guy will respect your weight because he is supposed to be waiting also. Once a relationship becomes physical, it is hard to make it spiritual. Once a man has conquered that part of you, then there's nothing else interesting for him to pursue. As women, you are not called with the task of being the stronger vessel and ensuring that the relationship stays holy as much as you have the task to make sure you stay holy. If you have somebody pressuring you, I'm talking men and women now, pressuring you, pressuring you, pressuring you to have sex, that is your clue. They are not the right one. Every head bow and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for these singles. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Father, this is a defining moment for many people under this word. I hear you saying what you said to Joshua. Are you going to stay over here on this side of the flood or are you going to serve God? You told Joshua, choose this day who you will serve. Father, I pray that today will be a defining moment, that they will choose today to go your way. And I declare in Jesus' name, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will even walk and not faint. And I declare those who are single, And those who are making a decision to stand and wait on you, God, that the weight will be exceeding and abundantly above all they could even ask or think. That, Father, they'll be able to measure if this is the person by just looking at the fact that if they're average, they're not it. Because you are an exceeding and abundantly above all, God. And if you can do it for me and if you can do it for others, you can do it for them. And so I pray that today they will draw a line in the sand. And Father, if it's going to cause them to compromise, 
if it's going to cause them to step back spiritually, if it's going to cause them to backslide in any way or move further from you than being pushed towards you, I thank you that they'll have the stamina and the strength to say no. And Lord, I thank you that every no that they say is actually taking them closer to a yes. Hallelujah. The Lord is saying every no that you have to say takes you closer to your yes. And I declare in Jesus' name, your eyes haven't seen, your ears haven't heard. It hasn't even entered into your heart the person that God has for you. But if you will stand and walk in faith and trust him and believe that what he has for you is greater than what you have seen in front of you. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Some of you all are saying, but when, Pastor Evan, when? It doesn't matter when. Here is why. Because at the end of the day, God has your best interest at hand. Your job is to get on the potter's wheel and stay on that potter's wheel until he has molded you and has made you into another vessel. And as he does that, you will see what he has promised. Lord, thank you for your word. If you die today, here's my question. Are you 100% sure you go to heaven?